Welcome to the ABM Conversations Podcast. The number one podcast for B2B marketers wanting to explore timeless account-based marketing strategies to drive revenue, customer engagement, retention, and everything that makes sense to both marketers and sales folks. No more fluff. No more vanity metrics. Live from India. Made for the world. And now your hosts, Yog and Manish. Welcome to another brand new episode of the ABM Conversations podcast. This is me, your host, Yagneshwaran Ganesh. And this is me, Manish Nepal. In today's episode, we are going to discuss how to leverage collaborative commerce to grow your business. And you know, guys, uh, there is something about e-commerce and Romania. The last time around, we had someone related to e-commerce on our show was Juliana, who is from Bucharest. And today, too, our guest is from Bucharest. Collaborative commerce, for all you listeners, is a new concept. And that is why we requested Christy Movila, who leads growth for Eastern Europe for VTEX, the category leader in collaborative commerce, to join us on the show. Not just that, Christy has also been building online businesses for more than 13 years and has been an active part of the e-commerce world throughout his career. So, Christy, without stealing your thunder, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks, Yad. Thanks, Manish, for having me. Uh, all good. All good. Uh, still at the office. Everything's fine. How are you guys? <laughs> Doing fantastic. 7 p.m. at the office is really fantastic, uh, Christy. All right. So, uh, you know, let's jump right in. You know, first things first, can you tell us what collaborative commerce means and why should people embrace it? I mean, what are some of its benefits? Of course, of course. Uh, so uh, as you guys, all, all of you know, uh, commerce has been here since uh, mankind, basically, right? Because we we had trades, we had uh, exchanges between between all of us um, from uh, from very, very, very long time ago. And what we've seen in the past uh, in the past years is the openness from multiple brands, from companies, from brands with uh, with sellers, with customers, to work together in order to bring a better experience. So when when you are uh, talking about collaborative commerce, is the exact thing that the the um, uh, translation says is is a collaborative commerce is is the way that people are are uh, doing commerce between themselves but in partnership for example i'm selling car parts and um, you uh, yag have a, a, an auto part uh, store that you can uh, fit the car parts that i'm selling so usually what happened uh, at least in eastern europe uh, in the years ago usually you were looking on a way to bring car parts on your on your store or to bring those car parts to your customers and me i was looking on how can i uh, fit the the car parts and how can i change the car parts of of my customers um, and the openness towards a collaboration was very very hard so the first customers that we had were uh, very big customers that really understood and really opened their mind toward this but now once with covid and once with all the changes that happened there there was a lot of openness from all the companies towards collaboration like that because it opened a very uh, unique uh, gateway for for me to address your customers because you already had a couple of customers and it was a, a great opening and the sales channel for you to go and sell your services on my store and it's not a way of um 
doing the same business, let's say, because uh, we both are renowned for, for the services and for the, the products that we have. It's not like, for example, if you add your services to my store, tomorrow all your um, customers will go and will buy the services from, from me. Because it's a very big, uh, let's say, market, and people are are working and are uh, are searching for ways to integrate the experience of the customer and to to give the customer as less friction as possible. Uh, in order, for example, if if we sell together, we do commerce together, we do commerce in a more co collaborative way. The only uh, person that is uh, is is losing is our competitors, uh, and. The customer is winning, uh, you are winning, I am winning, everyone is winning at the end of the day. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I, I love this idea. And, uh, you know, when we looked at your website, um, uh, we saw that, you know, it mentions that collaborative commerce is kind of a great fit for uh, both if you're selling direct to customers or, uh, you know, even in terms of B2B. Exactly. Uh, and because our audience here is primarily, you know, in the B2B uh, SaaS domain, we'll try to keep this episode more relatable to them. So let's say uh, we are looking at a SaaS company that sells marketing automation or say a CRM kind of a software. Uh, and to keep thinking simple that let's say these these guys are domain agnostic. How can they leverage some of VTEX's technology or solutions to grow their business? Like wh what is the exact solutions that you provide to them? For sure, for sure. Um, when you are looking to B2B, because uh, we have a very large part of the business being brought by, by B2B companies, um, you are not looking only on services, for example. It's your product. Um, if, if you are uh, selling services or if you are selling products, uh, at the end of the day, the customers are, are calling it products. So if you can bring all of those things together and if you can um, own a way or another um, integrate all the experience of yours of complementary services that you can bring and of uh, for example the, the, the end goal um, now having in mind uh, also uh, b2b b2c direct to consumer and all of those things the end goal is to bring as many advantages to the customer as possible and as less friction as possible uh, so for example i was discussing the other days Again, it's not about products and services. It's about products in general, right? Um, I, I was discussing the other days with a very large bookstore, for example, uh, that is migrating to Vitex. Um, and they were looking for an integrator of uh, services of, uh, for example, you know that you, you read the, the starting point of, uh, and the, the brief of a book. And they're looking for companies that are offering these services to integrate them on the product page and on product level. So the customer, when they navigate on the, on the website, they will see those services that were uh, delivered by another company. So in this case, we have a, a case of collaborative commerce where product is meeting a service and it can be in any other case. For example, also when you are, uh, we have a store that is selling uh, all sorts of digital products for lawyers and for all type of legal stuff. Then th there are some companies that are offering uh, legal counseling and legal advising. 
And what we do is that we enable collaboration between those companies because it's not about only what the platform can do, because as you guys know, there is a lot of ways to build technology in this in this world. And it's not about building technology. It's not about developing software skills. It's all about understanding the business. It's all about connecting the dots. And it's all about um, enabling collaboration between companies that complement each other, that together will bring a better value to the customer. That's all about, and that's why, and that's how Vitex attracted me coming from, from an e-commerce landscape and doing all of those things. Uh, because they, they were looking on a more macro perspective. They were somewhere uh, like looking on the landscape, for example, because uh, of the customers that uh, the company is having. They were looking on the landscape of commerce and of all of those, uh, what's happening around commerce. If you are talking about uh, marketing automation, if you are talking about, about CRM, if you are talking about all of those things. And because the, the platform offers all those capabilities in customizing, in connecting all of those companies, we could offer a B2B, for example, solution for Black & Decker that is used uh, in multiple countries to, and, and they are connecting also agents that are selling into the field, companies that are selling and all of those things to beverage website for uh, Coca-Cola and all of those companies to, I don't know, from uh, working with uh, Avon to Samsung to Xiaomi to in-store to all of those things. So let's say the flexibility is, is the strongest point in here and the way that the platform and the te and technology itself, not only one platform or, or, or a company can enable collaboration. Right, right. That's very intriguing, uh, uh, Christy. And uh, because you mentioned uh, integration a few times in your answer and because you mentioned a list of clients that uh, VTEX caters to, I want to uh, be a little more specific on the question that Yak just asked you and, uh, you know, uh, poke holes on a few things that you just said about, uh, you know, and your website copy also, the VTX website also talks about VTX being the world's first fully integrated marketplace and order management system or OMS that has helped global brands like Motorola, Sony, and Anheuser-Busch in web speed up their time to revenue process and without any upgrades. That's the most surprising part, without any upgrades. So can you explain to our listeners how VTX as a company helps companies cut their time to revenue processes without any upgrades. And uh, just like the earlier answer, it would be great if you can you know, talk about any specific real life examples from any of the brands that you just mentioned that, uh, that used VTEX's services to achieve those outcomes. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Thanks a lot for the question because it's in the core of the company. That's how the company was built. For example, we, we are very fortunate enough or, I don't know, very smart at some point, some engineers a long time ago that they split the software that had been before a monolith, they split it into microservices. That allowed us to have a headless architecture, let's say. So all the microservices, for example, a microservice is handling the payment. We are PCI certified and we do we handle payments in a very complex way, let's say. One is the order management system. One can be CRM, catalog, checkout, and all of those things. So all of those being on microservices could uh, and, and allowed uh, the team to develop those individually. That's one part of the topic. Then the other part of the, of the topic is that the platform is multi-tenant and in cloud. So all the companies are using the same version of platform is not a platform that have versions. They are using the same uh, architecture, let's say, on a macro level, and they are addressing 
very, um, let's say, specific parts from the platform that are needed in order for them to have uh, the, the project that they want. For example, allowing us to be headless and having uh, the, this architecture allowed us for specific customer to, customers to have, uh, for example, a different CMS. So they use us only as an engine, as the engine that is behind the, let's say, what, what the visitors are seeing. Uh, allowed us, for example, to integrate with external marketplaces, although the platform is marketplace uh, itself. Um, and for example, um, also what customers, what other customers did, they developed their own admin. So it's possible uh, for customers to develop applications on the front end, applications of the back end, a totally different back end, a totally different front end allows the customers to connect with a CRM that is external. We are integrated with a lot of CRMs and the customers are using all type of softwares and allows the customer to build inside Vitex a CRM if they want or extend ours and to add functionalities on top of that. And also what's uh, regarding time to revenue, what's very interesting regarding Motorola project that you also mentioned is that allowed Motorola to deploy in different countries uh, the website uh, in a in a record time uh, we had two weeks to uh, go live uh, from a country to another we have we had even even a lower time and all of those things were regarding setup for current country regarding um, what delivery channel they used and what was uh, set in terms of uh, VAT all uh, uh, regulations or uh, accounts, uh, profile accesses, and all of those things. It wasn't about the, the platform itself. And because of this reliability and because of the way that the services are connected, for example, Motorola in Poland is using a logistic, logistics integrator. In UK, they are using an external seller selling their products. And in other countries, they are selling it directly. So they are all sort of combinations. For example, Black & Decker is not using a Salesforce automation tool. They developed inside Vitex because it was very specific to their needs. And as you all know, let's say the advantage of a SaaS is when you don't need to maintain the customizations that you are developing. That's why we are saying that the platform upgrades with no costs because we are constantly adding functionalities to all of those microservices, all of those things on the front end, on back end, on, on all of those levels in a way that the customer isn't feeling uh, any activity interrupted, uh, the, the things that they already did, but can access those functionalities. We are never deprecating something that the customer is using. We are only adding functionalities on top of that. Imagine you are doing a, an API call and we are not changing that API. We are only extending that API. So the next call that you that you are doing, if you are doing it in a, let's say you want to retrieve more information, you are retrieving more information. So th those are the, the big advantages that the platform is having. And also the way that we are working that uh, allows all the customers, for example, to develop uh, applications, allows our partners to develop applications. And for example, we can, we can have partners from Brazil developing applications for Singapore. We can have partners from India developing applications for US that we have, uh, for example, we have a partner from India almost exclusively from, from what I know with us. 
and open an office in in US because they can develop in a very decentralized way. So everything that they are developing is generally available for the customer. And it's also being deployed only in our cloud. So um, when looking on other platforms that can be our competitors, we have this unique advantage that everything is being deployed in the same infrastructure in the same uh, cloud and uh, and everything can be uh, reused for example if you are a partner that you develop a very specific uh, integration for us or a very specific uh, functionality for us that can be used by any other customer anywhere in the world and that's for example uh, that gives us a huge advantage that we are seeing right now the ability to adapt to each market that we are in for example in europe there isn't uh, for example a very a unique thing that uh, applies to the entire europe each market has a specific each market has its erps its crms its each its wmss and all of those functionalities and when looking on all of those it, on top of those, you can add functionalities that people are used to. For example, in Romania, we are used to buy resealed products. In Western Europe, not. In Romania, we are used to rent products from the e-commerce website. In other countries, not. And each market has its unique specifics. And having this type of architecture allows you to, to develop and to have very unique functionalities in a very scalable way that you can maintain and you, can, you, you don't have to worry about infrastructure, you don't have to worry about changes in the platform, that everything that you develop, and also the languages, the programming languages that you are developing, all of those functionalities are modern uh, languages, uh, are modern technologies and uh, are known by a lot of people. It's uh, Node.js, GraphQL and React. So it's very easy, let's say, to find developers and to develop uh, those functionalities. Yeah, that is such a novel concept. The thing that you mentioned about, you know, accessing architecture without um, any paid upgrades. I'm sure it's going to be very useful for marketers, founders, or salespeople who are listening to this episode from a SaaS domain. And for those people, they can go to VTEC's uh, website and there are tons of uh, customer stories on Motorola, Sony, L'Oreal that they can dig further to understand how it works. But uh, let me go back to one thing that you mentioned earlier in your answer, uh, Christy. You brought up headless commerce. And I have to admit, it sounds very intriguing, but I'm not sure if many people can tell if it's a good thing or a bad thing for them. Uh, what I mean is, I personally am aware that headless commerce is more or less limited to the domain of e-commerce. But I think you would be a much better person to explain the concept for people who might be interested to dig deeper. So my next question to you is, can you tell us in as layman terms as possible, what exactly is headless commerce and how can such an architecture help e-commerce brands reduce their time to market and make their overall operations more agile? Imagine, for example, that you are selling refrigerators. You are Whirlpool and you are selling refrigerators. And at some point, you want to do a very special project uh, out of the standards. Let's say it's something very uh, unique that you want once, the, once your shelves that hold your beer are out of beer, they can, the, the fridge itself can order beers. Um, for the customer and Whirlpool or a partner that is selling on Whirlpool 
can deliver those because Whirlpool is not selling beer, right? And they don't want to buy beer. How can you do that with a platform that it's not, uh, with a standard platform that all of us know? It's impossible. Uh, and I'm telling you by having the education of a, as a software engineer, uh, it's impossible. You need a very particular way and you need to build an order management system that will place the order that will, um, check if if you have enough beer and will place the order for the beers that you want. Having a headless commerce and having a headless commerce in a company that is doing commerce and is, is having all of those unique projects and all of those unique customers is helping you build whatever you want in, uh, in the way that you want. That's why this concept is more and more adopted by our customers, because now it doesn't come to having or not having an e-commerce uh, website or uh, having or not having the ability to sell online or to sell offline. It's becoming more and more clear that it's all about experiences. It's more about the particularities of your business. It's more about the what you can do for your customers and how the customers can, can be amazed by the things that you are doing. So when, when you are looking on those type of special projects, you cannot do those without the ability of a headless commerce, let's say. And when you are looking in particular on the things that uh, a headless commerce is doing, for example, we, we have, imagine like having a puzzle and the pieces from the puzzle, and you can take the order management, you can take the checkout, you can take the payments, you can take uh, whatever part of the puzzle you want and connect that part of the puzzle with your current business or have the entire puzzle and still be able to add new uh, new parts of, of, of the puzzle on top of that. So that's what the uh, a headless commerce allows you, allows a, 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 an amazing flexibility, allows you and gives you the ability to, to adapt the experience according to your business and allows you to do very special and very unique projects and very unique, uh, let's say, services and integrations and uh, to have that uniqueness, to have that, uh, uh, that, that competitive advantage to, to be in front of your competitors. That is uh, really interesting. You know, one of the things that I was sure coming into uh, the conversation today is that we are going to really have a masterclass in e-commerce because uh, some of the terms that we are hearing, like, uh, say, collaborative commerce and headless commerce, like, uh, because uh, we come from the SaaS domain and we have not been exposed to m- most of these. So it's it's really been a masterclass so far. So, uh, you know, w- one other term that I wanted to also ask you is this concept called uh, composable commerce. Uh, so there are so much of commerces in today's episode. So you guys, you guys seem to be, you know, dominating almost every area within this domain. Uh, I mean, you guys recently won a top spot at um, CB Insights. It's uh, retail tech hundred list under the e-commerce infra category, which is amazing. And first of all, you know, congrats to you guys on that. Thanks a lot. Yeah, and you guys are also uh, making big moves in the category of composable commerce, a term that I had. Never heard of before until Manish and I really started researching for this particular conversation. So what exactly is composable commerce? Like, uh, how do you guys enable others? And what are the typical benefits that people can expect from this? And I think that you opened this uh, this topic because of the puzzles, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because this is the, the way we are explaining to our customers. Uh, 
for example, one of the, the, the first things that I'm saying to people that uh, I'm having interviews with, uh, when they're asking, okay, but what's the advantage of Vitex? Why should I work with Vitex? Or if I'm in a sales pitch, you know, why should I work with Vitex and choose Vitex as the platform that uh, the, the platform of choice for me? Um, and always the answer is we can we can address very simple needs of very big companies to very complex needs of very small companies. So we have all of those parts that you can select and you can compose your commerce and you can compose the, the, the solution that you want to, to have. Imagine having uh, the possibility of marketplace features, B2B features like uh, the Salesforce automation, like targets, like credit, uh, customer credits and all of those things. The ability to have multiple prices, inventory and uh, um, different promotions in different regions on the same website and different stock availability in, in different regions. Uh, or having, for example, um, a direct to consumer brand and having the and asking for the ability to to give the consumer a, a better experience and to have a a, a very uh, automated flow of orders uh, the of subscription maybe so all of those things if you combine them in in one product let's say it's a frankenstein you cannot sell that product and you cannot deliver that product to no one so what we did with this uh, uh, microservices architecture with this uh, uh, approach of of having headless all the services and all this architecture and also having the ability to add constantly parts of this puzzle to add constantly functionalities, add a better Q&A, add the possibility to have this loyalty program, have the possibility to, to integrate with this software, uh, have the possibility to have uh, subscriptions, uh, all of those things. We combine, we develop them and we combine in a suite, let's say. So you are not selling and you are not proposing to the customer a suite of, uh, of, of services and of uh, functionalities, let's say. You are proposing a composable commerce and they are selecting parts of, those, uh, uh, of, of this uh, solution when they need it. And they don't need to pay extra. They, know need, they don't need to develop extra. They don't uh, have this effort of integrating those parts after they were, they, they were launching the business. So it's very, let's say this is the, uh, as, and especially now when, when everybody is looking on optimizing the business, on optimizing the costs on, on, uh, on one hand and on the other hand to deliver a better experience, to, to give the customer uh, more advantages, to have that uniqueness. Uh, this is the, the time that uh, headless and composable and all of those uh, uh, advantages that uh, a platform is having uh, enter in the spotlight. And that's how uh, we gain the trust of Gartner placing us in visionaries. We gain the trust of IDC placing us in leaders. That's how we are we are getting more and more uh, very, um, let's say, unique projects from leaders of their industry in the world, like Sony, like Motorola, like Black & Decker, like all of those companies, like Coca-Cola, Dev, for example. All of those projects have something unique when you are looking on all of those. And it's also a lot that has to do with the skills and the, the know-how 
that our colleagues received from our customers. So we don't develop software like, okay, we woke up uh, next day and we said, okay, based on the analysis that we did, you should do that. And uh, we are developing that, and then we are we are uh, putting this development and this feature in front of the customer. No, always comes from a need, either from a need of, of a customer, either from a need that we identified and we discussed with multiple customers, and we saw that it can be developed and how it can be developed in a very scalable way and all of those things. For example, uh, adding functionalities of omnichannel, uh, like in, in early 2000 and I don't know, 11 or something like that, 10, 11, uh, because of Walmart. We signed Walmart in, in Brazil in 2008 and they needed a lot of those type of functionalities. Like nowadays are considered omnichannel and everybody's looking, ah, oh, okay, you need to have functionalities of omnichannel and all of those things. But if you look at big retailers and if you look at big companies, they developed and they asked, and it came natural for them. For example, I'm always saying to, to our customer that marketplace comes natural because they cannot buy all the products that they, they want to place in front of the customer. Always the customer will have more need of products than they can offer. That's why you have a conversion rate of X percent, and that's why you have, uh, and you select, you target your customer, you you segment your customers and all of those things, because you cannot have all the battles, right? You need to choose your battles. And because you are a big company and because you understand uh, how important it is to be professional and how important it is to be a specialist in your domain, you are not entering, for example, if I'm a specialist in grocery, I'm not entering in electro IT and I'm not entering, I don't know, with bad food or something like that because I'll be a beginner, I'll be a startup, right? And I will need to allocate infinite resources to compete with a market leader. But if I'm partnering with a market leader, that's a very unique advantage that I can have and that I can bring to the customer to become a one-stop for the customer. And that's, that's unique. We have thrown around so many jargons in this episode. Uh, you know, I think we should uh, refrain from doing that uh, any further. But uh, switching gears a little bit, I want to ask a slightly twisted and somewhat meta question for you. And uh, that is, does Vtex as a company use all of the above concepts like collaborative commerce, headless commerce and composable commerce in its own growth strategy? Uh, in other words, do you practice what you preach? Do you operate as an e-com platform itself? And assuming your answer is yes, as a growth leader for Vtex, what's your biggest learning of dogfooding or self-applying these technological solutions to improve your own business? Regarding the concept of choosing your battles, we are not developing, for example, functionalities of ERP. So issuing invoices in Vtex is not possible. Uh, we are not developing, uh, let's say, a search with artificial intelligence. Uh, although we bought one company that developed a very nice search with artificial intelligence, Requ Engine, and all of those things, and we added those as complementary services in our in our platform and uh, as a unique advantage. We are not developing a WMS, but we are partnering with people that are developing all of those things. And we are going together to a customer to address all the needs of the customer. So that's how we enable collaboration and we, we have this, this concept of collaborative commerce. We are not trying to, to develop all of those things because we are choosing our battles. 
and we are going to the to, to the customers in in this in this way also we developed in a more decentralized way the functionalities of the product for example the team from brazil developed a framework let's say it's called a low code development platform that allows our customers our partners and ourselves from different countries to develop functionalities on top of vtex but to have it as a, a functionality a product functionality so to have it as a as an advantage of the product to develop the product in a decentralized way so now the functionalities of the product of the core business are not developed only in rio they are developed in united states they are developed in colombia they are developed in mexico they are developed in romania in spain in singapore and in all of those countries because we have this ability to develop in a more decentralized way and coming to the to the learnings i think that the 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 biggest uh, and the most important learning that i uh, that i had during this time is that the power of many it's way bigger than the power of uh, a, a few when you are alone so you with this concept of enabling collaboration and with this concept of collaborative commerce and of uh, of a network of partners and of uh, having an ecosystem around you is the most powerful uh, tool that you can have as a company as an individual as a i don't know uh, it doesn't matter what you are doing to to have a very strong and very carefully selected network of partners and the functionalities and of i don't know complementary services that can be brought to you it's amazing imagine having a crm because you are discussing about crm um, and you cannot automate everything that the customer is doing partner with a company that is doing that or imagine having a marketing automation tool that is doing a very nice job in terms of understanding how the customers are is behaving on the website understanding all of those data compiling the, this data and having an artificial intelligence around it and then partnering with a company that is best in class of sending of of reaching that last mile of communication to the customer so th this is the the way that uh, let's say the things are are advancing because from what i see for example it's now if you try to do let's say to address multiple needs and to not become specialized on something it's a battle that you are losing if you are only trying to go broad and you are not specializing and partnering because imagine trying to go broad with services with all of those things until nowadays you're thinking oh okay i have time for that i can find investors i can find partners i can have a way to do that but they weren't thinking of partners for example in in the way that now the world is thinking about partnerships uh, for example if i'm identifying the need until some time ago when i was looking for a partner the partner was starting in a in a lower position let's say because uh, i identified the opportunity but nowadays having ideas identifying opportunities is nothing right the the most important part is enabling that collaboration having a trusted ad, a partner and a trusted advisor for your business to target that need and I think this is the most important lesson that I've learned during this time.
This is so beautiful. You know, when you look at uh, the category leaders in any industry, uh, they live the part, what they actually preach. And uh, I'm, I'm like super excited to hear your story. And uh, right now we are coming towards the 40 minute mark, which means we are up for the, the game show that we call as the rapid fire section. So uh, are you ready for it? Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, here's how it's going to go. We are going to ask you some pointed five to six questions. The questions may be short. But your answers need not be. You can just go with the flow. Uh, speak whatever comes to your mind. <laughs> yes, sure. So yeah, here's uh, question number one. You've worked with uh, so many wonderful e-commerce companies out of which, you know, at least one other company, Coty, if I'm not wrong, uh, has also been a unicorn like Vitex. So if you had to summarize your experience of working in a unicorn brand versus other companies, how would you sum it up in one line? Uh, opportunities. If you are looking for companies that are unicorn and that are leading uh, in their industry, there are amazingly amount of opportunities. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, so here's uh, question number two. You also run your own e-com company called uh, Voriso Optics, an online store that sells contact lenses in the UK and France. And out of all the other lenses that you sell on the website, what made your company select the niche of, uh, you know, selling Halloween-themed contact lenses? That was unique. <laughs> exactly, exactly. When you are targeting very big markets, like uh, the one in UK or the one in France or the one in Spain, you need to be known for a thing. For example, if you sell, I don't know, uh, eyewear, for example, you will be competing with big, very big, big players. But if you are specializing, it's exactly the thing that I was telling you before, and that, that that's how I found the connection with the with Vitex and um, with those concepts that we are uh, we are preaching. When you are trying to go broad, it's a lost battle. When we are trying to go very specified and very niche, you will be known by a very small group of customers, but will allow you. It's like a lean startup, for example, will allow you to go um, to go big. Because what are you going to choose? To go broad in a small market or to go small and niche in a big market? The dimension is the same. And what gives your business gives the ability to optimize processes, to, to become specialized on, on only on those things. Right. Beautiful. So here's uh, question number three. What do you think is a more profitable and more sustainable business strategy in the long term? Is it having your own e-commerce website or selling in a marketplace like, say, Amazon, eBay, Walmart, or Etsy? Always both. Always both. You need to become specialized and you need to take advantage of the ones that are bringing a lot of traffic, a lot of orders, a lot of awareness. And then in order to have a safer business or to have a more profitable business, you need to go very specific and to to have your own brand. For example, when you are selling contact lenses or eyewear or something or glasses or anything, uh, have your own website, target a niche, sell on marketplaces because they will bring more customers to you. It will be a different, it will be a new sales channel. Have your own brand in order to protect from other sellers and bring a unique advantage to the customer. And then you can build on those, uh, on this principle, infinite amount of, of opportunities infinite amount of categories and products and all of those things right it's it's like having a good mix of investment on branding and also on performance marketing makes a lot of sense exactly right so here's uh, question number four what's your favorite e-commerce company or website and why is it your favorite 
um, it's Amazon because they were uh, when you are looking on uh, on what they did uh, from the times that they did. In ima imagine now having a company selling in 50 countries, having an e-commerce business selling in 50 countries. It can be difficult, and I'm telling you that there are a lot of world leaders that cannot do that. Well, Amazon did it in '96 in in the year '96, selling in more than 50 countries. <laughs> and now, what what the guys are doing now? It's amazing. It's it's really it's wonderful. So here's uh, question number five: What's the future of offline retail according to you? I, I was working for uh, uh, 13 years, including with uh, with Coty. When I was with Coty, I had a very close connection with uh, big retailers like Sephora, like Douglas, like uh, all of those guys. Uh, and then working in market leader in shoe, in shoe industry, I was very close to them. So th there are two types of retailers. The ones that uh, have the openness to change and to offer a uh, uh, integrated experience to the customer online offline it doesn't matter it's commerce that's why we are not saying e-commerce we are saying always commerce and they are the ones that are forced to do that <laughs> so they aren't they, they, there isn't a third category that the ones that will not do that because now uh, as you all know that uh, all the retail spaces are, are transforming into bringing experience to the customers and i remember conferences and uh, retail shows and uh, expos uh, five six seven years ago that were going into that direction and i remember that now there are a lot of companies already doing that and orienting only on doing that and uh, it, it's a battle of experiences and it's it's a battle of on, on gaining the attention of the customer of making him feel more comfortable in the showrooms that you are having and giving him a a unique experience in order for him to be more closer to your brand because the the physical approach is the closest that you can have with a customer to to uh, shake his hand to offer the to, to look into his eyes to offer the solution that he wants and that's unique and you cannot pull uh, this out of the equation so you need to to bring as much value as you can because time is precious and I will not lose my time as a customer if you are not giving me the best experience. Right, right. When, you know, the most immovable industry like real estate is moving online, then, you know, you know commerce and e-commerce can combine too. Uh, you know, can't agree more. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And talking about immobile, uh, you are looking on the car industry. So no one wanted to follow on Mosk because it was too expensive to 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 go on the route of uh, of electric cars. But now everyone wants to to go, right? So if the entire car industry can change and the, the entire uh, real estate and retail industry can change, I'm very comfortable that everything can change because it's a uh, uh, and including with this forced digitalization that came in 2020 last year, everything will be different. Right, right. So here's the uh, final rapid fire question to you. Question number six. What's the number one mistake that most e-commerce companies make about their inventory management? And uh, can they solve it? Not looking at data. Uh, for example, we have uh, a very nice uh, e-commerce test. It's called CMC Commerce Management Certificate that we are having it internally as well. And we have uh, questions like this. Okay, you have inventory for uh, 30 days. There, there comes a buyer and buys inventory for 60 days or something like that. So what would you do? 
it comes for example uh, i i uh, worked on a startup uh, i built a, a basic software i would say that was looking for example how many products will you would you sell if you would have for example a thousand products in your in your warehouse and you have the ability to sell those with 25% uh, margin or sell 500 products with 50% margin there are a lot of people that are saying oh okay sell 500 products with 50% margin because i will uh, stick on the other 500 but what about the the other customers because it's one it's one thing to have 500 customers in it's another thing to have a thousand customers and then they can come repeatedly on your website what about the cost of having that inventory on a shelf because you, it's it's a cost what about the the lost opportunity to those customers and all of those things so it, it's not it's not an answer of good and wrong it's not an answer of you should go this way or the other way it's always about looking on data and it's always about interpreting uh, information and maybe for me it's a, a professionally defect let's say because i have a math uh, background and uh, looking on on data and informatics in, in a more uh, let's say algorithmic way but if you are not structured in this way you don't have to do business you have to do i don't know you 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 might stick on the creative part or uh, if you don't have these uh, these skills and you are not looking on data i think that's a great place for us to wrap up today's episode but before we let you go christy i want to ask you for a small favor one last favor if you had to give a one-line parting message to the listeners of the avm conversations podcast what would that be enable collaboration guys find the the partner that can bring value to you and enable collaboration go for it open discussions doesn't matter how big the partner is or how different the partner is or how difficult it it, it seems go there and enable collaboration you will be amazed what it can do nice that's an easy to digest food for thought for people listening and uh, where can people connect with you online so on LinkedIn is Christy Movila uh, and on christy.movila at vitex.com. Uh, I, I can be found also. Uh, I'm very passionate about off-road. You can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, on all of those things. Um, I, I promise that I will delight you with uh, interesting information and also with interesting pictures from the off-road trips that I'm doing. <laughs> Right. I'm, I'm definitely going to check out some of the Halloween theme contact lenses on worryshow.com. Anyways, thank you so much, Christy, for being in our show. We really appreciate you taking out the time to join us today, despite your busy schedule. And for the listeners tuned in to the podcast right now, we will be back with yet another interesting topic slash guest next week. Until then, this is bye from me, Manish. And this is bye from me, Yag. Take care. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the ABM Conversations podcast. Make sure you subscribe and share your comments with us. We're constantly looking for your feedback, thoughts, and suggestions to make the show more relevant to you. 